I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-Minute Parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-Minute Parenting Podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. In a previous episode, I was talking about how a rupture in the trust in our relationship with our teenager needs to be followed by relational repair. And a couple of people uh, reached out to me and said, you know, that was really interesting concept, but I don't fully grasp it. Could you say a little bit more about rupture and repair in the teenage relationship, parent-teenage relationship? And that's what I'm going to do today. I think it's actually something I feel is essential in our relationship with our kids and well in our relationships in general because rupture and repair isn't limited to parenting that's part of everyday life and a part of it goes back to you know kind of looking in at our own teenage self and how did we experience rupture and repair with our own parents and how do we now do it with our own kids as well you know hurts and rows are something that are going to happen in the parenting relationship we have to expect this and as parents we're asked to carry out many difficult and emotionally stretching tasks in relation to our children our children are of us and always remember i've said it before no doubt i'll say it again there is no better way to discover your own unresolved issues from your own childhood and being parented as a child than to become a parent so How you experienced being parented comes back into full focus now that you are parenting yourself. So you start to rediscover this fact now at this stage of your parenting journey as it specifically relates to how you experienced being parented as a teenager. And I think at this point it's worth pausing to reflect on your experience of being a teenager and more than that of being parented as a teenager. If you still have access to your own parents, if you're lucky enough to, you know, still have your parents in your life, it can be an interesting social experiment, I think, to see how they recall your teenage years and teenage self versus how you do and brace yourself because there will be a difference. So I'm going to give you a little 15 minute self-reflective exercise on this. Think of a time when you felt hurt by your parents or a caregiving adult in your life, that could be a teacher, it could be a relative. Just bring to mind a time when you felt really hurt, emotionally hurt. How did you respond to this hurt? You know, what did you do? What did you say? Did you shut yourself away, get really quiet? Did you lash out and get aggressive? Did you cry and fall apart? What was your response to this hurt? Now, how did your parent or the caregiver in question, how did they respond to your hurt? And moreover, how did they respond to your response? How did they meet you in your emotional experience of that hurt? And now that you're thinking about that, do you think that this experience has impacted on how you support your own teenager when they speak of feeling hurt by others? You know, when your teenager is in the midst of that, do you find yourself defaulting to what your parents did with you? Come on now, it's not such a big deal. Ah, come on, lighten up. Don't take it serious. Or do you maybe because of how you experienced it yourself growing up, do you overcompensate by saying, I'm taking this so seriously. I want to hear everything about it. Oh my God, what what are we going to do? How will we fix it together? What are you jumping in with? in all of that and how does it relate to your own experiences because that's the point here your own experiences can and will be triggered by some aspect of parenting your teenager now 
So pay attention to how you react to your teenager and be honest as to how much of your reaction is about their behavior or how much of it relates more to your own emotionally held experiences that perhaps are getting reactivated in these moments that with your teenager. Be kind and empathic towards yourself. I think that's always crucial. If we want our teenagers to be kind to others and kind and empathic to themselves, we have to lead by positive example. Let your teenagers see you show yourself kindness. You know, whatever kind of self-care or indulgence that might be, let them see that, that you value yourself and that self-care is important because it gives them permission and it, moreover, it gives them a roadmap for how to do this for themselves. And I think that's something that, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or if you've read my books, my 15-minute parenting books, the whole whole 15-minute parenting model is about inviting and encouraging a lot of self-reflection because I know that developing a deeper understanding of our own internal experiences and how these might be impacting on our ability to remain open and engaged with our teenagers is an essential skill in our therapeutic parenting toolkit. We have to be able to go into our own uncomfortable feelings so that we can take the time to sit with the uncomfortable feelings that our teenagers experience themselves and help them to regulate their arousal levels by staying calm and clear, consistent and being able to co-regulate them. Okay, so you're all stressed out about this, but I don't need to be getting stressed out with you. If I can stay lower and more into that window of tolerance where things feel emotionally comfortable, I have a better chance of meeting you and bringing you into that that window as well so that things feel more comfortable for you. And we can help our teenagers to better understand what's going on for them by developing their own capabilities of reflecting on difficult, uncomfortable experiences with us. And they can't develop that capacity alone. They can only do that in relation to another so that when everything is feeling too much, we have to be able to stay not completely calm because that's impossible, but also would be incongruent. But we want to stay. gosh, you know, I see this is a real problem for you. And I can see that you're, you've been mulling it over and you're really really stressed out about it. And I'm wondering, what can I do to help you? So I'm acknowledging what I'm seeing for you. And we're together, we're going to work out that answer and that resolution because I don't want to keep jumping in to rescue you. That's that's not going to be helpful. We have to accept that there's going to be ruptures in our relationship with our teenagers, both because of our need to respond to some of their overt behavior. You know, they're going to do and say things. And we as parents are going to have to come in and say, hey, that's not okay. You need to stop that or that's out of line. You must apologize. You know, we respond respond with boundaries, limit setting, maybe even consequences, but also because, you know, their words and actions can activate within us something that may lead to a rupture in our capacity to then attune with them. You know, something they say might actually, you know, it could hit deep. And actually, you can't do a repair from a place of that rupture within yourself. You've got to take time apart and say, you know, I need to work through some of that. And then I'm going to come back to you. You know, repair, though, and that's the piece, you know, I'm going to come back to you. I think because repair for me is always the responsibility of the parent, not the young person. And I'm just going to say that again. Repair is always the responsibility of the parent because we have to communicate clearly that the relationship is more important than the conflict. That's so important to our teenagers, you know, that we say to them, I want to reconnect with you. I want to make this better because my relationship with you is far more important than the issue we're now having, the conflict we're experiencing. But to be able to do that in a meaningful and authentic way, 
you know, the, the return to repair. Um, to be able to do that, you have to be in a place of relative calm yourself. So if your teenager has said something, lashed out at you, said something hurtful, and you know, they can be good at that. And you're in that place where you're very activated and triggered. The best thing you can do is walk away, is take a step back and say, do you know, things are getting out of hand here. I'm afraid I'm going to say something I'll regret. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to take 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, so that I can calm myself down. And when I come back, we'll talk about it some more. And then you, when you come back in that calmer place, it is with a bid to repair. That doesn't mean you ignore, dismiss or minimize what's been said. You can do the repair in a meaningful way that says, you know, sometimes when we feel really upset and angry, we say and do things that we mean in the moment, but we don't mean in general. And I think that's what was going on there. And you give them permission to go, yeah, yeah, look, I shouldn't have said that and I'm sorry. And then you accept their sorry. And you might be the one offering the sorry if you've said something you shouldn't have as well. And th this this return to repair, this piece that's so important, um, is precisely what enables growth and development within our parent-teenager relationship. And isn't that ultimately, at the end of the day, what parenting is all about? Growing and developing our children and young people into independent, capable, emotionally stable adults. And look, you know that this is working well when you can begin to understand misunderstanding. And you know, like what I mean by that is that you can feel calm, you can feel comfortable and confident and less anxious when ruptures occur um, or when uncomfortable issues arise in your relationship because you feel like, okay, I understand what's going on here. I get that they're upset because of something else and they're taking it out on me because I'm their secure base. I do. I understand that. I even understand what has gone wrong here and why we're now yelling at each other. That doesn't mean I'm going to say it doesn't matter. It, always remember explaining does not mean excusing. So just to kind of finish off this piece and just really bring to your mind um, how you do repair, because I think you can go, God, that's great, Jed, rupture and repair. I get it now. But as always, I want you to be able to practically do it, not just think about it. And we need to be understand that repair is done in many ways rather than just said with sorry. Sometimes sorry isn't enough and it takes something else. Or sometimes we're not ready for the sorry, but there might be some other actions we can take. So just take another 15 minutes now, um, if you can, or at a later stage today. And when you have that pocket of time, write down two examples of rupture and repair in everyday life. All right. So this could be, you know, like the small stuff. It doesn't have to be a huge, big blowout row. Bring to mind some of the small stuff that could be a throwaway comment over the laundry not being placed in the basket. You know, it could be something that you've said, a kind of sideswipe comment like, you're always the same. And then it could be some of the bigger stuff, some bigger transgressions that have happened. So write down maybe one small and one big example of a rupture and how you might do repair. OK, once you've got that name, three words that describe the emotional impact of the rupture, that is, you know, how it leaves you feeling in the moment and immediately afterwards. So after there's been an, uh, an exchange like that, where maybe words have been said or someone has slammed a door in your face or told you to get lost or go away, how do you feel in the moment and how do you feel immediately after that's happened? Consider what the blocks might be to initiating and accepting repair for you. You know, what stops you reaching out or perhaps what stops you being able to accept the repair? You know, when somebody approaches you and you're like, no, 
No, not ready. Not ready for that. What might be driving that? This could be, you know, maybe you've had a row with your teenager and you guys haven't been talking for a little bit and then they place a hot cup of tea beside you without you having asked for it, but also without words. And in that, you know, can you accept that cup of tea, that action as their attempt at repair? Or do you demand it be an explained, spoken apology? And again, what might that demand be about for you? And now I want you to name three ways that you do repair. Not saying sorry, just bring to mind three things that you do to initiate repair with your teenager, ideally, but also anyone in your life. Do you know, is it making them the cup of tea? Might it be a hug? Might it be, you know, putting on their favorite TV show and snuggling up beside them on the sofa? Might it be bringing them a snack to their room? What what ways do you do repair? Okay, and then finally think of three actions you make to secure a repair following a rupture. Just things that you do. How do you ensure that the relationship when you have that repair piece, look, here's your cup of tea, we've had the little snuggle. Three actions that you do afterwards to make sure the relationship is back on track. Do you guys go for a walk? Do you put on some music and have a silly dance? Do you talk about it? What happened in a calm way? What do you do afterwards? I think it's really healthy. You know, I've mentioned uh, parental self audits in my first book, my second book, and again in my third book. And it's partly because you have to keep bringing yourself inwards to parent outwards. What is going on for me in these moments and how is that contributing to this? And now how can I, in developing that understanding, change how I react and respond in those moments? Reflection is the key to repair following rupture. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15 minute parenting. 